It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. One, two, start on D, ready, go. Hey, I'm Curious City reporter Monica Eng, and you're listening to fifth graders at Bi Elementary School in Oak Park, Illinois. They're diving into what's become an American educational rite of passage. Yep, they're learning how to play their recorder. In case you didn't know, that's a little flute with roots in European Baroque music. Maybe you remember it from your school. Question asker George Saman sure does. See, he was raised in the Middle East and came to the U.S. via Canada as a fifth grader. So when he arrived and his whole class had to learn this thing called the recorder, he thought it was some big American tradition like baseball and eating hot dogs. And nobody had explained to me, right, that this is not something that all kids just automatically know, but some form of entry into the music world. Which he eventually figured out this was just a way to teach kids music. But he still couldn't understand why so many schools chose this high-pitched flute to do it. So he wrote into Curious City and asked, Why do we have to do that? Like, what is the purpose of the recorder? And why do we all have to learn the recorder? These are fair questions. I mean, why send this squeaky flute that no one really seems to play in an orchestra home with hundreds of thousands of kids where they can inflict untold torture on entire families? To answer George's question, I turned to Valerie DePriest. She's a lady who knows her recorders. Valerie's a member of the American Recorder Society. She plays in a recorder band, technically called a consort. And for 17 years, she taught music in Oak Park Public Schools, using, yep, the recorder. And to Valerie, the recorder's not just an awesome tool for teaching music, but one that frankly deserves a lot more respect. So, How did it go from an instrument that peaked in Europe more than 200 years ago to an American classroom staple today? Valerie credits a bunch of things that all converged at once starting in the 1950s. One was a revival of interest in early music and a sort of rediscovery of the recorder as an instrument that adults were interested in playing. Another was the spread of something called the Orff Schulwerk approach. It's a German style of teaching music that stresses rhythm, melody, instruments like the recorder, and the kind of participatory playing you're hearing here. Instead of having kids just sing along to the teacher on piano, they got to play their own instrument. But the biggest thing was a certain industrial breakthrough that you might remember from the 1967 movie The Graduate. Are you listening? Just so you plastics. So what does the rise of cheap industrial plastic have to do with music? In the 1960s, recorders started to be manufactured in mass quantities using plastic, and they were well-tuned instruments and able to be sold cheaply. But cheap doesn't mean crummy sound. Check this out. It's Valerie playing a pricey wood recorder. And here's the plastic recorder. Not so very different. Not bad, right? So this explains a lot. But it's not all. Valerie reels off even more reasons the recorder's so great for teaching young kids. The recorder is a wonderful way to teach melody to children. 
It's a very portable instrument. The kids can carry it from home to school easily. The soprano recorder is also just the right size for young children. And it's possible with good teaching to get a good sound of the recorder quite quickly. Add to that longtime state requirements for grade school music classes, and you've got a recipe for an instrument that more than 100,000 students buy each year all around the country. But not everyone's convinced. And by that, I mean people in Canada. That's where our questioner once lived. And there, a lot of schools go with the ukulele to teach young kids music. Valerie thinks this is a mistake. I mean, she likes the ukulele. But the ukulele is designed to play chords on, and it's a pretty advanced concept for the youngest of children. And I think that younger children need to experiment a lot with melody and rhythm before they start bringing in the concept of harmony. So the recorder's not likely to lose ground to the ukulele here in the U.S., and this has a lot of benefits, but also one big drawback for Valerie— Because it's so popular as a kid's instrument, folks just don't take it seriously. And Valerie says... The recorder was a very serious instrument in the Renaissance and in the Baroque, but it fell out of favor. It was silent for many, many, many years, and people haven't really taken it seriously as an instrument since then. But it's a wonderful, lifelong instrument for adults to play. Adults just like Valerie, who get together in consorts with folks who play recorders of all sizes. Soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. And lots of smaller and bigger ones, like the eight-foot-tall contrabass recorder that looks like a giant wooden beaker. And often they'll be joined by players of other early music instruments like crumhorn or sackbutt. What? (laughs) What's a sackbutt? A sackbutt is a sort of an early trombone. And the crumb horn, it's a double reed instrument with a hook on the end. And how would you characterize these people who hold on to these Baroque instruments and play them? What, what kind of groups of people are these? Um, I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> when I take all this information about the sackbutt and the more practical stuff to George... He admits that it all makes a lot of sense, but he still doesn't like the recorder. Maybe because... I wasn't particularly good at the recorder. Still, his ears do perk up when I tell him the thing about the ukulele, and that if his family had stayed in Canada, he might have played that at school instead. How would you have liked that? Oh, I play guitar, so like that would have been just fine. Well, despite George's preference for the soothing ukulele, it's not likely to overtake the recorder in the U.S. anytime soon. Valerie says it's just got too much going for it. And to all those parents who just hear screeching, Valerie says she hears a future virtuoso. Just kidding. I hear screeching. Let's face it, recorder's a lot easier to listen to than beginning violin, and it comes into tune much more quickly. So, you know, we all have to pay our dues. And if we do, one day all that screeching could end up sounding like this. This week's reporting comes from me, Monica Eng. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. Special thanks to Mrs. Rosenblum's fifth grade class at Bay Elementary School in Oak Park. The story originally aired in 2017.
next time on Curious City. All right, serve over here. Let's see. Let's see what you got. That's the sound of teenagers in West Humboldt Park playing volleyball with a couple of Chicago police officers. It's a pilot program to build trust between police and communities in places where there have been decades of mistrust and abuses of power on the part of some officers. Yeah, without question, we don't trust police officers in our neighborhoods. So will it work? That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.